0: If you brought your Bible this morning, would you hold up the Bible all over the building this morning and uh, take your Bible, if you will, and open it to the book of Genesis, chapter number 5. Genesis chapter 5. Now, if you need help with that... Uh, You're in bad shape, all right? But Genesis chapter 5, very first book in the Bible, in the Old Scofield Bible, page number 12. And if you'll just leave your Bibles open there, uh, I'll read some verses here in just a moment. I do want to invite you back to our service this afternoon at 5.30, and we sure would love for you to be back. Of course, our members, we just kind of look for you to be back. But, uh, of course, we want to invite all of our visitors to be back with us again at our service, 5.30, this afternoon, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. All right, Genesis chapter 5, if you're there, would you say amen? amen. All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. You know, if you were with us last Sunday morning, then you may recall that I preached on what I feel to be the greatest sign of Bible prophecy regarding the soon return of our Savior from heaven. And it was, if you remember, the sign was what I called the sign of the fig. The sign of the fig. Now when I say fig, I'm talking about the fig tree because here's what Jesus said about that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, Learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branches yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, this generation, the generation that sees the budding, the blossoming, The rebirth of the fig tree shall in no wise pass till all these things be fulfilled. We know the fig tree and that that story, that parable, represents the nation of Israel. And sometime after the crucifixion of our Lord, the nation of Israel was attacked. They were uprooted and they were scattered throughout the then known world. Yet Jesus prophesied, promised, promised predicted that before he comes again there would be a return of the nation of Israel a rebudding of the fig tree a reblossoming of the fig tree and Jesus said the generation that sees that miracle will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled now we talked last week about the date that that happened on May the 14th 1948 the newly announced prime minister of the nation of Israel David Ben Gurion stood up and read before the world the Israeli Declaration of Independence. And I'll not read it all, but it does say this right at the end. It says, On this day, upon the termination of the British mandate, we declare the establishment of a Jewish state to be known as the nation of Israel. And with those words, May the 14th, 1948, the clock began ticking on that generation that was alive in on that day who saw the miracle of the rebirth of the nation of Israel and, of course, the soon coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, the side of the fig tree, I guess we could say, is the supreme sign of the soon return of our Lord. Seventy-two years ago that happened. Of course, if you're 72 or older sitting in this service today, you were a part of that generation who saw the miracle of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. What a sign the sign of the fig but also in that Matthew 24 text there's not only just the sign of the fig Jesus said there's another sign there 's something else to look for that points to my soon return, and i 'm calling that not only the sign of the fig i 'm calling it the sign of the flood. Jesus said this in matthew twenty four and in verse number thirty seven but as the days of Noah were now of course we know that Noah lived on the days in the, on the earth in those days prior to, to the great flood of the antediluvian civilization, and Jesus said as it was in the days. Of of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And then in the next verse or two, Jesus began to talk about how things were in the days of Noah. What he's saying in reality is this when characteristics on the earth return as they were in the days of Noah, when the same thing that was happening in this day that was happening in that day, when you see that happening, Jesus said, Then I am coming back. In other let me say it like this. When the fig revives and the flood returns, Jesus said, I will be back. Now, we're living in those days. We've seen the fig revive. We're seeing the days of the flood return, but I'm telling you, Jesus must be coming soon. Now, I'm not setting a date. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. I've read my Bible. No man knows the day nor the hour. I'm not setting a date, but I am saying this. I don't believe it's Going to be long before Jesus comes again. Now we're thinking along the lines of the sign of the flood. Now we're back this morning in Genesis chapter 5 and the reason that I had you to open your Bible there is because we're in the days prior to the flood. The great flood that cleansed the earth back in the days of Noah. Now we know in chapter number 6 Noah and his family are going to ride out the flood in the ark. And they're a picture of the nation of Israel that's going to be divinely and miraculously preserved through the time of God's great wrath known as the great tribulation period. God is going to divinely preserve and miraculously protect his people during the time of the great tribulation period. But before we ever get to any of that, the time of God pouring out his wrath, God protecting Noah and his family through the ark, we got a glimpse of what the rapture is going to look like back in chapter number five in in the life of a man by the name of Enoch. Now, I'm interested in this thought. God got Enoch out before the judgment fail. Can I have an amen? Boy, I'm glad I'm a pre-tribulationist. I believe the rapture will take place before the tribulation period begins. You know, the Bible links with the word rapture with the second coming. The Bible links the word comfort with that. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, I can't find much comfort in a mid-trib rapture. I can't find a lot of comfort in that. I can't find any comfort in a post-tribulation rapture. Not a bit of comfort in that. But i tell you what brings comfort to my heart to know that before God begins to pour out the vials, to empty the bowls, to blow the trumpets, thank God he's going to come again and remove his people, the church, off the face of the earth. I look forward to that. That's what we're waiting on this morning, the rapture of the church. We have a picture of that back in Genesis chapter 5 in the life of a man by the name... Of Enoch. Before the flood came, God got Enoch off the earth. Before the tribulation period begins, God is going to get his people out of harm's way, carry us home to heaven to be with him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm looking forward to that, the rapture of the church. So, with all that said this morning, I'm preaching on this thought Are you rapture ready? Are you ready for the rapture? Now, I'm to read some verses about old Enoch here. Look in Genesis chapter 5. And let's begin reading verse number 21. Here's what the Bible said. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. Now, you probably have heard of old Methuselah before. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred, sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not... For God took him. Now, brother, I'll tell you, there is proof positive God's going to get us out of here before the rapture begins. And before I go any further, let me just ver- further verify that fact, validate that point. Did you know before God could destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, God had to get Lot? out of the way. Now Lot reading his story in the Old Testament, you think that rascal would not even save. But then when we read over the book of Peter in the New Testament that he had a righteous soul, we find out that God even removed Lot from Sodom before the fire and the brimstone fell. In fact, when Lot tarried, he lingered. The Bible said the angels grabbed him by the hand because the word of God said, God said I can't do anything till you get out of here, Lot. But I'll tell you I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. You do understand now that post stuff's making a comeback again That's right. There's a lot of people, more and more people, as we get closer and closer, they're saying, man, that we're going to be raptured after the tribulation period. But if God got Enoch out, and good night if God got Lot out of the way before the judgment fell, hey, don't you know God's going to get people who love the Bible and love Jesus and love church out of the way before the judgment falls on this earth? And if you don't believe that on our way up and out, I'm going to say I tried to tell you so. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Enoch is a picture of the rapture. Can I sum up his life in four statements this morning? First of all, I want to talk a little bit about the surrounding gloom of Enoch's day. The surrounding gloom. What I mean by that is, and I've already stressed this, Enoch lived in the days prior to the flood. And those days were anything but good and godly days. The population on the earth at that time was exploding. We read over in chapter number 6 and verse number 1 that it came to pass when men began to multiply. They're not just adding men to the earth. They're multiplying. The population in those days was absolutely exploding. It was skyrocketing. And by the way, did you know something? From the year 2000 to the year 2020 that we just have come through, uh, thank God, uh, and just got through all that, did you know something? Our population has increased by 2 billion People. They estimate that by the year 2000, 2050, there's going to be more than 10 billion people on this earth that we're living on today. But the only problem in our day, as it was in Noah's day, the more men increase, the more the population continued to grow, so did the distance between people and God. You read back in the book of Genesis in, Noah, in Noah's day and in Enoch's day, people were abandoning any thought of God whatsoever in their mind. Look over in chapter 6 in verse number 5 the Bible said in the last phrase the imaginations and the thoughts of men's heart was only evil continually. They didn't even want to think about God. They didn't want to retain God in their thoughts much less in their hearts. Their minds were filled with evil continually. Boy that's true in our day isn't it? It seems like the more and further we go into this thing the more wicked and ungodly that people are becoming. Nobody even cares what God thinks about nothing anymore. Nobody even cares what God has to say about it in the Bible. Man is left to do that which is right in his own sight. And these are days of great apostasy and growing anarchy and godless activity. There's no fear of God anymore. And things in that day were going from bad to worse. And may I say things in our day are going bad to worse. It's getting bad. It's getting dark. But it's getting gloriously dark. Because the darker it gets, the closer we're getting to leaving out of here. And by the way, it wasn't that people in that day in Enoch's day couldn't know God. It was that they wouldn't know God. Can I tell you something? God had his voices on the earth back in those days. God had preachers. God had witnesses living back in that day to point men in the right direction. It wasn't that they couldn't know God. They just didn't want to know God. I found something interesting this week. It kind of blew my mind just a little bit to think about this. But did you know this? Adam and Enoch were alive on the earth at the same time. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Now you stop and think about that. 930 years old. He was only 622 when Enoch was born. He was having a midlife crisis at the age of 622 when Enoch was born. And for the next 308 years, Adam and Enoch lived on the same earth. Wasn't long until after that that Adam had a boy by the name of Abel. And Cain rose up and slew righteous Abel, and God appointed him another son. Seth, the name means appointed. God appointed him another son, and Seth was only... uh, Enoch lived alongside of Seth for 482 years. I mean, can you not just imagine the fellowship those, those people must have had? I mean, living on the same earth with Adam, living on the same earth with Enoch... Enoch's grandpa was a preacher. Enoch's daddy, Lamech, was a preacher. Enoch was a preacher. The Bible said over in the book of Jude, talking about Enoch, that he he prophesied as the seventh from Adam. God had his voices. God, of course, we know God had Noah on the earth in those days, and he was preaching by day, building an ark uh, by day, preaching at night, warning people, pointing people to the Lord Jesus, pointing people to the right way. I said it wasn't that they couldn't know God. It was that they wouldn't know God in spite of such noble salt upon the earth. In those days, the sinfulness and the wickedness of that age could not be repressed, even though Adam was there pointing people to God. Enoch was there. Noah was there. Lamech was there. Seth was there. All those men were there pointing people but they would not know God. I'll tell you something. In this day, God still got his voices in this world we're living in. Amen. Not everybody's corrupted their way before God. There are still some people on this earth that's saying that's the way. God's still the right way. This is the way to glory. You better turn and repent and get right with God. God still got his voices in these days of surrounding gloom. Yes, sir. Enoch's life was kind of summed up in the phrase surrounding gloom, bad days. But watch this now. Not only is his life one of surrounding gloom getting worse and worse, his life was also one of saving grace. You see, old Enoch went from the surrounding gloom to the saving grace of God. Boy, I'm glad... Boy, I'm so glad in these days of surrounding gloom. I'm glad I've been a recipient of saving grace. It's really interesting how it all happened in Enoch's life. Because we're told there in verse 21 that he lived for 65 years. And then evidently at the age of 65, he had one of those life-transforming encounters with the God of glory. It almost seems like for the first 65 years of his life, he took all of his natural, uh, all of his godly upbringing and that foundation that had been put under him, he kind of just took all that for granted. You know, it is sad when a person is brought up to believe right and do right in a godly environment, and then they turn their back on that and go out and just live any old way. And that seems to be Enoch's life for 65 years. There's no pursuit of God. There's no desire for the things of God. But at the age of 65, evidently, God broke through the darkness and the deadness of Enoch's soul, and God spoke a message into the heart and the life of old Enoch. I don't know how it happened, but I'd like to imagine how it happened. I can see old Enoch down at the country store one day when Adam walks in. And there's old Adam and Enoch there. And Enoch probably says to Adam, he says, uh, he says uh, uh, Adam, can I, I ask you a question? He said, sure, son. He said, let's go out to the chariot and we'll talk about it. And they go out and sit in the chariot for just a minute. Enoch says to Adam, he says, uh, Adam, what was it like living in the garden of Eden? Oh, and old Adam was old Enoch. Boy, it was unbelievable, the peace, the tranquility. Oh, it was the food was no curse on it. It was unbelievable. There were Reese cups hanging off trees this big. You had to have a chainsaw. It was just unbelievable. But I tell you what the best thing about living in the garden was, was walking in the cool of the day with God. It was unbelievable, Enoch. And God was arousing the soul of O Enoch. God began to speak to him. And then one night, one night, God broke through the darkness of of Enoch's life, and God spoke to Enoch. I, I don't really know how it all came to pass, but I know it did. And the way that God reached the heart of Enoch is the way that he reached most of our hearts in this room, and it was with a message of the judgment of God that was going to come on the earth. You see, God forewarned Enoch that the flood was coming. And the reason I know that happened is because of what he named his boy. He named his boy Methuselah. And the name Methuselah means this. When he is gone, when Methuselah is gone, it, the flood, will come. I mean, this message that God gave to Enoch spoke to his heart so much, so deeply touched his life, that he named his boy after the message that he heard from God. When Methuselah is gone, the flood is going to come. God used the message of... By the way, maybe maybe Methuselah lived... We know him as the oldest man in the Bible, 969 years. Maybe there's a reason why he lived so long. You ever thought about this? God was patiently waiting. God, Bible word, was long-suffering. With that ungodly society. God was sitting up in heaven, giving them every chance, every opportunity to repent. Because we read over in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, and verse number 20, in the middle of the verse, that God waited in the days of Noah. By the way, even when Noah got on the ark, God said, Noah, come on in. The Bible said that God left the ark open for seven more days. Even after Noah and his family got on, God left the game plank down. Seven, God was waiting. God's waiting on you this morning. God's waiting on this civilization. God's waiting on society. But I'm here to tell you, friend, God's patience has its limits. God has some lines that can be crossed. In God's name, if you're not saved, run and trust Jesus this morning. Time is running out. But God spoke to Enoch's heart through a message of judgment. You know, in our day, they tell preachers anymore, I don't preach on judgment. Don't you mention anything about hell? Don't be negative. Don't talk about sin from the pulpit. Don't talk about future events. I mean when people come to church, be positive. Be encouraging. Uplift them. In fact, when they leave, pat them on the back. Make them feel good about themselves as they walk out the door to the house of God. You know what I say to all that? I'm so glad when mom and daddy brought me up, they didn't take me to a church somewhere where a preacher was interested in me feeling good. I'm glad I had a man of God that stood in the pulpit and preached to me about hell and judgment and what was going to come on this earth because I didn't get saved because of the love of God. I didn't get saved necessarily because of the grace of God. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. And I'll be honest with you, the reason most of us got saved in this building is because we didn't want to go to hell. Now, I will to tell you something. I'm 42 years on the other side of my salvation experience. I got saved when I was 16. I'm 58. You do the math. I'm 42 years on the other side of all that. And in those 42 years I have grown in my appreciation and the love of God. I have grown in my appreciation of Calvary and how God demonstrated and manifested his love toward me in that while I was yet sinner Christ I have grown to appreciate that. But I got to tell you that's not necessarily what Moved me to be saved. But I'll tell you what did move me. I didn't want to go to hell. I think that kind of preaching are still working these days, friend. If that brought Enoch in, it brought me in, it brought you in, it'll bring others in. So the Bible said in the book of Jude, some saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I think if you have to drag them over the coals, bless God, get them saved any way you can. Saving grace. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Surrounding gloom. Saving grace. But I want you to see a third thing about his life, and I'm going somewhere with the rapture, and I'll get there in a minute. There was also simple goodness. You see, the Bible said that after Enoch got saved, he experienced that saving grace. The Bible said he started walking with God. You know a good sign you're saved is you walk with God. I mean, Enoch changed his mind about it. He was living in a wicked environment. I mean, those days before the flood were wicked days, ungodly days. And there was old Enoch just traveling along in the flow of humanity. But God spoke to his heart. Enoch did a turnabout in his life. Thank God for a divine turnabout. And he did a turnabout, and he started agreeing with God about some things. He started seeing things from God's perspective. He started believing what God had to say about some stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, it's about high time God's people started getting their philosophies, not from Hollywood or Washington. We need to get back to the Bible and believe what God has to say again. And listen to what God has to say. I'll tell you the reason I believe that he started walking with God. Amos 3.3 3 says this, How can two walk together except they be agreed? It wasn't that God started walking with Enoch. It was that Enoch started walking with God. Listen, God don't have to agree with me. But if I'm going to walk with him, i got to agree with him. God don't have to see things the way I see them. But bless your heart, if I'm going to walk with him, i got to see things the way he's... And I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's got control of the Senate or the Congress or anything else going on up there. Bless God, If God said it's wrong, it's still wrong. And if God said it's right, it's still right. I agree with him. You'll never go wrong agreeing with God. How can two walk together? In fact, can I tell you this? He did such a good job of walking with God that God said this about Enoch. He pleased me. He pleased God. You know something? God said that about another one of his children. His only begotten son, God said of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 3.17, God said, this is my beloved son. Speaking of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, evidently, what I get from that is this. Enoch... God got to sense some characteristics of his son Jesus and Enoch. God saw that old boy and, 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 and Enoch was behaving just like his perfect son was behaving. And God said, Not only am I pleased with my boy over here, you know, I'm pleased with my child over here as well. He pleased God. You know, if there's something we ought to do in these last days, we ought to set about every day of our life to try our best to please God. And by the way, it was bad days. He didn't have a whole lot of encouragement. In our day, we hear the, all kinds of excuses. You know, you can't live for God in this society anymore. It's too mean. It's too wicked. i got to drink a little bit. i got to cuss a little bit. i got to smoke a little grass. If I'm going to go along to get along, i got to do a little bit of stuff. Here, preacher. You're just going to have to forgive me. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you forgive me. I think if we're going to walk with God, there's still some things in this world we've got to say no to. Amen. If we're going to walk with God, and please God, there's still some things in this world we just can't do. And oh, Edith walked with God in a bad day, and if he could do it, so can I. If he can do it, so can you. We're going to have to ditch these excuses, friend. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. We're going to have to get back to the old-fashioned way of just walking with God in holiness and believing the Bible and doing what's right. And God will be pleased with us as well. Amen. He didn't have a lot of encouragement. I'll remind you of this. He can run to church on Wednesday night and wear a mask and be encouraged. Or in our case... Half crowd wear a mask, the other half don't wear a mask. Here a mask, there a mask, ever wear a mask, a mask. I mean, he, he didn't have that back in his day. There were no revival meetings. There's no camp meetings he could run to. There were no youth conferences going on. I mean, he was pretty much all by himself. But I mean, in spite of all that, he made up his mind he was going to walk with God. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to make up our mind just to walk with God in simple goodness as we live out these last days. He did it. You say, Preacher, well, if I lived back then, they, see, that, those folks didn't have the trouble that we have today. Who are you kidding? Can I show you something? You say he didn't have no trouble. Can I show you at the end of verse number 22, the Bible said he begat sons and daughters. Can you imagine trying to raise a family back in those kind of days? Well, it's probably pretty much like trying to raise a family in our day. I sure appreciate all of our young couples in our church bringing these little babies into our, our church fellowship. But bless your heart, I sure am praying for y'all. I mean, it's bad enough. Thirty years ago, when we was trying to bring our children up, I can't even begin to imagine the pressures and the challenges that you're going to face if the Lord doesn't come the next year or two, the things you're going to have to try to go through with your kids to steer them in the right direction and 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 to move them toward God and to pray for their salvation. I'm telling you, you talk about trouble. Enoch had trouble, but in spite of all of his troubles, he went on and pleased God anyway. He made up his mind he was going to march to the beat of a different drum, and if he could do it, So can we. So can we. Surrounding gloom. Saving grace. Simple goodness. Now here's my message. What's this? Sudden glory. You say, preacher, what happened? Well, the Bible said in verse number 24 that one day while he was walking with God, he was not. He was and he was not. For God took him. Man, I heard an old preacher one time. He said it probably went something like this. And I don't know if it did, but boy, I could sure see it in my mind. Here's Enoch and God. They're out walking in the fields together, hand in hand. The sun is sinking low in the western sky as they walk through the fields. And God looks over at Enoch just before the sun drops out of view. And he says, you know something, son? You're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you just come on home with me? And God took him. God took him. You know something? God's getting ready to take us before long. I got to thinking about old uh Enoch. One moment he was here, and the next moment he was there. One moment he was right here in the presence of demons and Democrats. And the next moment, he was in the presence of God. One moment, he was breathing in the contaminated air of this old world. And the next moment, he was breathing in the celestial air of the new Jerusalem. One moment, he was here. The next moment, he was gone. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, one of these days, God's going to reach down and take us. One minute here next minute there. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, be dead, but we shall all be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Boy, that's how fast this taking is going to happen. In the twinkling of an eye. General Electric measured the twinkle the blink of a human being's eye at 11 hundredths of a second. That's moving on, friend. In one twinkle of an eye, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And when they rise, they're going to be singing, Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And those of us that are alive are going to rise up with them, and we're going to sing, Oh, death. Where is thy? We're going to have a duet on our way to heaven. Oh, death, where's thy sting? And the dead crowd's going to say, And oh, grave, where is thy victory? And we're going to be out of here. God is going to take us. But here's what, here's what gets me about this text. Did you know after O Enoch was taken out that a search was made for him? That's right. They went looking for him. Why, the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated, boy, that's a good word, that he should not see death. Then notice those next four words, and was not found. That indicates to me they went looking for that rascal. I mean, when he didn't show back up at home that night, his wife called the police headquarters, and they put out an APB on that boy. I mean, man, she filed missing person papers out on him. They went scouring the country for him, went looking for him, but he was not found. And can I tell you something? Bless your heart, one of these days when the Lord comes, he's going to take us out. But I think there's going to be a search made for us. I believe that. I believe they're going to go look. I can't imagine. Here's an old boy that's unsaved, don't care anything about God, but he's got a godly wife. And he's a go-getter. He takes her to church every Sunday, and the family drops her off and goes back and gets her when church is over. He's a go-getter. He goes home, reads the, the sports section, and watches ESP TV. He ain't got no time for God, ESPN TV. And, but I tell you, one morning, he reaches over there, and all he feels is some crinkled-up covers. His wife's not there. He goes through the house. Honey! Honey, you home? Where you at, honey? And she's gone. He calls the police station and said, I don't know. She was here one minute. I I don't know what happened to her. He said, sir, you won't believe this, but we've got thousands of calls like yours. Husbands looking for wives. Wives looking for husbands. Children looking for their parents. Parents looking for their children. Gone. I remember years ago when we were uptown for the Autumn Leaves Festival. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, Holly, was probably three or four years old. And if you've ever been to the Autumn Leaves Festival in Mount Airy uptown, you know, it's just wall-to-wall people. I mean, it's just, just very tight going up through there. And I had her by the hand, and my wife was there and the other kids, and I think her aunt and uncle was with us as well. And we were going through town, you kind of getting bumped along going through there. And Holly pulled loose from my hand, and I thought she went to her mama. But her mama walked on by. So maybe just twenty feet up the street or something like that, we realize she's gone. And you talk about panic and fear. Now don't worry about her. She came home yesterday. She's fine. Don't worry about her. She was here in the eight thirty service this morning. Just got back yesterday, but everything's fine. I'm kidding. I'm telling you, you talk about fear and panic. I mean it just it just sunk. She has gone in this. Mob of people. Make a long story short, we worked back down and she was standing there by herself and some people had surrounded her and she had tears running down her cheeks because she was lost. And, and uh, we got her so happy to see her. But the, the, the gist of the story is this when Jesus comes, it won't end in a happy reunion. You'll not find them, they're gone. You're left behind. I don't know what kind of excuse they're going to come up with, but I got a a feeling that Joe Biden's going to come on TV just right away, right after that, or whoever the president is at that time. You're welcome. And he's probably going to make the announcement something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, we have just been informed that there's a huge spacecraft that has just left Mars and departed, and we think our loved ones have been beamed up, Scotty. And they're somewhere out yonder now. They're right. He's right. We are out yonder somewhere. We're with the Lord. And people will believe that lie, and they'll be damned forever and forever and ever. It wasn't that they couldn't be saved. It was that they wouldn't be saved. Because God's got His voices in these last days saying, Come to Jesus. It's wrapping up. It's almost over. You better get ready for the rapture. For God. One of these days, the only thing they're going to be able to say about me is this. God took him. God took him. I remember years ago, we had a man in our church that got killed tragically. He got killed and I had to do his funeral. And He got a little bit crossways right before he died. He got a little crossways. He kind of got a little bit against the church or whatever, a little bit against the preacher, a little bit crossways. And so when I preached his funeral, I said, The only explanation I can give you for this man's death is this God took him. And can I tell you something? I'm going to be one of God's took ones one of these days, and if you're saved, so were you. But if you're not ready for the rapture, you'll be left behind. May God help you today, because the fig has revived and the flood has returned. Jesus said, ready or not, here I come. You better get ready. Let's pray. Father, I pray. Let's...